Hello, and welcome to the Cash News Podcast, informative conversations about all things currency and cash. We'll share insights on the issues affecting the world of cash today, like cash security, payments technology, and the cash supply chain. Your hosts, Tom Meehan and Sean Ferrari, hope to inform industry professionals and support better cash security and management by sharing the latest information on trends, strategies, and technology. This is the Cash News Podcast. Now, here's Tom and Sean. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 17. And I always am double checking my episode numbers. I'm joined by my amazing co-host, Sean Ferrari. Sean, what's going on, man? How you doing? Uh, you know, just hanging in there just a little bit before Thanksgiving here. We got our beanies on, trying to stay warm as the weather is turning. Uh, yeah, just living the dream. I hear you. So yeah, this podcast, should you should be listening to this on November 22nd. So we'll probably say it a few times. Enjoy the time with the family. Eat some food. It's, it's been a crazy last two years what we're week 89 of the pandemic i think it's what wow, it, is. That's a... it, might, it might be 89 it might be 88 that's incredibly somewhere between, specific somewhere between 87 and 92 because we tape these way ahead so way too much math for me and we are taping it where it's starting to get cold i mean it's wacky i think it was in 40s on monday and then yesterday for some reason it was like 60 and right now it's you know um, but we have cash news beanies so we're gonna wear them right like we got them and we, we have a lot to talk about you know we were if, if hopefully by now if you're a loyal listener and you're liking and subscribing because if you're not subscribed you, you might miss some some of us that you got to hear our live in person uh, event at mj biz uh, sean and i got to spend some time there and i don't know it felt like we were there for weeks but we we were taping throughout the day uh what did you think of mj biz sean yeah, it was good. I mean, I think um, I enjoyed being there. I mean, first and foremost, it was great to be there in person. And I think folks that watched those podcasts, which I hope all of you did, you know, I think felt the different kind of energy and vibe that we had, um, not just between us, but also just with everybody else being being around and, and being in that type of environment. So that was great. I mean, the show had a lot of people still have no idea how many, but a lot of people. <laughs> and uh, I think, you know, it's definitely a an area for the cash industry to, to get more involved in. There's a lot of cash there that needs to be handled. And I think the few vendors that were there that we talked to and you saw on the podcast had a great show and there's, there's uh, room for definitely more of that. Yeah. I mean, one of, that was one of the biggest takeaways from my perspective is what a miss it was for all of us in the cash industry to not have a bit greater presence. And I laugh because I'm constantly asked because talked to so many people actually I was on a call yesterday. How many people do you think were there? I'm like, definitely more than 10,000. Uh, could have been 40,000. Like it was just right. such a massive floor with such a massive. I do know that they had more than 1,200. Uh, I looked it up and I, I confirmed it with someone at MJ Biz. They had more than 1,200 booths slash tables. And it felt that way. I mean, I don't think we covered the whole floor at all. And we didn't even go to the other floor. Like that's how massive it was. But what was glaringly obvious to me, and I think you, you hit the nail on, is that we, everybody that had a cash handling angle, even if they were often to the left, if they had to do with cash, there was, you know, a real, a, a real need for it. People were at those tables and booths, at least the ones we went to, right? Like I went through the list. I think there were seven or eight people that I would deem in our industry. Uh, we might've went to four or five of them. I'm trying to think through. And so we didn't go to all of them, but the folks that I know were really 
saying like, hey, we wish we got a bigger space. We wish we brought more people. And then there are some consultants that are focused heavily on risk that said that cash was a topic, like too much money, nowhere to put it. I, I don't want to misspeak, but one of them said, while there are definitely ways to bank it, it's still a little bit cryptic. No, no, no pun on the crypto, like a little cryptic and, you know, how to do it. Is it really safe? And we, we know it is, and we know that there's angles, but you are dealing with, and this was a funny thing, Sean, like, I don't remember who told us, but they said one person they talked to said they were taking $250,000 a day in, in one of their locations, you know, the feedback. I think that's the low side. I mean, yeah, I think that's yeah. Like- yeah, that's great. But if you think of the cash, the, the amount of cash, and, and when I was speaking to this consultant, he said, think about it this way, Tom, you know, you have 28 locations and you're bringing in over a hundred million dollars in, in actual cash. You don't want to work with, you know, a credit union that has one location. He, he, and, 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 you know, in fairness, I didn't think of it that way. And he said, just think like, would you do that? Like, would you go like, oh, we only do this. He said, you really want to work with a well-established financial institution because you're entrusting your life with them. So it's an interesting point of view. No, definitely. And I think, again, just to like think of that, right, you had 1,200 vendors at this show. And I think you're right. I think it was probably seven cash kind of focus. I think when you open it up to more risk, there was there was more. But I think yeah. on the, the cash side, maybe seven, yeah, uh, vendors dealing with cash. So there's a lot of space there for folks. But I think it is a tough one. I mean, yes, you can buy the equipment. That'll help at the end of the day, no doubt. But at the same time, the banking side of this is a challenge. And, and that's the next logical question is like, great, I have this great recycler or smart safe and all this great software to help me balance at the end of the day. But what do I do with the cash? I still have $250,000 I got to put somewhere. Yeah. Under the bed is full. The mattress is full. <laughs> you hit, you hit the, the key on it that this is a, a bigger challenge. And I know Todd was there. If you haven't watched it, Todd had some answers. There are answers, but um, and even I would say easy answers, but what I go back to, and even in my own full-time job, right? Like we were there for the podcast. I go back to, you know, what uh, control tech specializes in protecting cash, you know, and, and in an industry that can take cash only now, yeah, there's some workarounds with ATM, but it's predominantly a cash business. Let's be honest. And, and it's a predominantly cash industry with huge amounts of, of cash flow. And, you know, when you're talking to smaller dispensaries that are taking in hundreds of thousands of dollars in bills a day, just the change, just the management of it, the change element of it. It's so definitely, um, I really, I felt like we, we talked about this, we did a prequel episode. So we did this very short at the end of the night. That was definitely, we were burnt out. No, no pun intended that we were taping and on hooking up equipment running in and we're out. not we were not burnt we no. were burnt out yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and, and we were running in and out of this room and trying to get t- things set up and get people in and getting people asking and the reality was i don't think i anticipated the the volume of people at the show and and even in the podcast booth so we had a lot of attention but one of the things that struck me is that the cannabis industry really needs help with the, the cash side of the business. And I suspect that, you know, you'll probably see some folks even in the currency research realm, especially the bigger dispensaries that are trying to learn about money and trying to learn, you know, what they're doing. And we, we, we did that pre-call at the end of the day, and we wanted to kind of recap some of the other things that we saw in a more organized fashion, because that wasn't a planned event. You know, that pre-call was like, man, we started, when we started in the morning, I think we said this is, we had guests and we had a limited time, but we had trouble getting the live streaming up. So we couldn't do a normal intro because we had to actually go because we would have ran out of time. So that's why we did that. All in all, I mean, 
what are your thoughts about travel? And like, wh- I, what did you think about Vegas and the masks? And was that what you expected? <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, so, I mean, it felt normal, which was good. Uh, I would say that was the first thing that, that I noticed kind of, you know, the travel experience itself, getting there, getting home, other than having to wear a mask on the plane, it's, I don't know, it's normal, it's travel. I think being there, they were pretty heavily requiring masks throughout the, throughout the venue. Maybe later in the day, it kind of waned a little bit, but they were pretty heavily requiring masks and that was fine went well i will say though i've since then and now i went to another event in dc last week there was not one mask to be seen which was interesting i mean it was it was a much smaller event there were probably about 300 people there maybe and interestingly masks were required based on the signage and everything that was around but i'm not exaggerating when i say not one person had a mask on so I don't know. I mean, did it, it, it felt okay to me as well. I mean, I, I personally am vaccinated, so it, I didn't mind, um, but it felt fine. Again, it felt, it felt normal. So I think it's going to be this, this well, and, and also it's, it's up to really the event organizers and is what I'm seeing more than the venues or the hotels. I think the MJ biz folks were clearly working very close with the convention center rules and everything that was going on there and requiring masks. I think the folks in DC, it was at a hotel the hotel was requiring masks, but not really, right? So they had the signs up. No one seemed to care. This particular event organizers didn't enforce any sort of mask mandate, and there were no masks being being worn. However, there was another event going on on the downstairs level of the hotel, and they were requiring vaccine checks and masks. So it's... <laughs> It's a very, I think, yeah, you're even in the same location, it's going to be up to the different constituencies and events to, to do it. The good news is people are turning out. People are getting out there. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, I, I think um, it's interesting because in Vegas, the thing I was surprised about, and um, just, I travel a lot. I mean, since August, I've traveled all over the world. And um, this is actually the first week in several weeks that I've been here. Conferences, customers, technical visits, all sorts of different things. And um I guess I envisioned Vegas as being, you know, not masked in every casino, every hotel. And they were, they were enforcing it in the sense, like, I don't know, for the listeners that haven't been to Vegas is your hotels are generally in casinos. So you normally have to walk through the casino to get to your room. There's usually not an easy way on purpose, right? They want you to see it. And if you walk through the casino and didn't have a mask on, you could not get past someone that worked there that would remind you appropriately so I would say that I was surprised at that, but I also was pleasantly surprised at the fact that everybody kind of just was doing what they needed to do and there was no problems. And when I was walking to the casinos, you know, you notice people put it down to talk. They would just go, hey, can you put it up? And no one was upset. And in, in MJ Biz, with the, the sheer volume of people that were there, you're right. Towards the end, I saw people going, but I, I don't, I think that was people being people. The event organizers were reminding people in an appropriate way. Um, I don't know that I felt safer or not personally, um, but I'm vaccinated uh, as well. And I also traveled a lot and kind of taken the approach of, I, I think where you're in a, a gathering of that size, when there's definitely potentially 30,000 people, it probably makes sense, right? Like learn to leave a mask on. And I probably would have wore a mask, even if they didn't ask us with that many people. But when we taped, we took our masks off and people came in and I think, you know, we went through it, but the dynamic for me, and this is probably what your experience is, it's hard for people and event planners to figure out what the best way to do it is because I went to three events in the last, I don't know, 60 days, and they were all completely different from the way they handled it. One, 
which was relatively low attended, had vaccine requirements, a health checklist filed out and mask, very organized, very structured, certainly really had a process in place that you would argue that they did everything they could possibly do, but laborious, right? Like I went there and like, did you fill out your preform? And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. What preform? And then they handed me this form. I'm like, really? I have to fill this out? Do you have a vaccine screen? Here's my vaccine screen. I still have to fill this out? Yes. While I get it and I appreciate it at the same time, I'm like, man, this is, this actually added time to the day. And then the next day filling out a form every day, like from today, from yesterday, I you know didn't do it. But I think what I would say is they took every precaution as, as appropriately as possibly could. What MJBiz, I think they just said, look, we have hand sanitizer out. We want you to, you know, reminding people to get masks on. So, and then I went to another venue that was actually on a college campus that was like, oh, you need to wear a mask if you're vaccinated, you're good. You know, like, and it was um, in common areas, people were wearing them, but I think it was more about polite. It wasn't that they had to, they just kind of were conditioned to do it. But in the non-common areas, everybody's unmasked and in the restaurants and it, it was more of that required. Like I remember walking into dinner and being like, oh, let me get my mask on and, and I'm already halfway in and the waitress is like, no, it's okay. You know, just you're sitting down. So definitely a difference. Certainly on a plane, you're still wearing it in the airport. And um, I don't know if you've experienced this, I've seen multiple times, not on the plane, but in the airport, people having challenging conversations about masks. I was actually multiple times surprised where they, you know, they're trying to give a mask and someone's going, I'm not wearing a mask, I'm not on a plane yet. So I'm, I'm always questioning like that piece. I've never had an issue on a plane, but I don't know if you experienced that one, one plane. I happen to be sitting in where the, where the flight attendant um, actually went over the, the loudspeaker and said, when your mask is not covering your nose and mouth, it's not appropriately on. So if you need help on finding your nose, let me know. And she kept did that as but every time someone took the mask off from them and kind of made it joking and fun. But the reality was that um, that was her way of kind of calling it out. So I've seen a lot of different things. I mean, what are your thoughts on the airlines? Are, are you, how do you feel about air travel? Yeah, no, I think air travel is fine. Um, I mean, it, it is. I would agree with you. I haven't noticed much concern or any issues really over wearing the masks, whether it's in the airport or on the planes. Um, I think some of the long haul, not really long haul, but um, I haven't done international travel in a while, but coast to coast travel, it gets a little bit near the end of those flights. There's a lot more of that reminding going on as people have sat there for six hours with the mask on and are falling asleep or trying to wake up or whatever. It gets a little bit dicey, um, yeah. but I think that's that's been the biggest issue I've seen on the longer flights, the short ones of like an hour or two whatever um it's fine but i think i think you're right though i mean a lot of it depends not to put more more on the flight crew but you know i think the the humor stuff helps sometimes you know after a long day you get the flight crew that might not be quite as as friendly and that can tend to escalate things a little bit faster than than a joking i mean i was been around some folks with quite a few kids while traveling too and you know they're the flight crews are on the kids always um, about Put, put the mask on when you're trying to tell a six-year-old who's constantly snacking to put the mask. I get it. I get it. But as you know, the flight attendants get tired of reminding them and start to snap and it's like, okay, it's a six-year-old. It's going to happen. It is yeah, going to happen. A little slack. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with just people being kind to people and, and talking together and trying to figure it out. And I would say that I feel safe traveling. I'm certainly not a scientist or a doctor. So, but I've, I've traveled quite a bit and um, I feel safe, but I'm also someone that probably, you know, I always was a germaphobe. I always have, I have them here, you probably can't say my Lysol wipes with me. 
you know, my class side, so always clean the seat. I'd always do that stuff. That was always just how I was. And then I've traveled all over the world and I've been to China 18 times in the last five years. So masks for me, I never wore them in China unless I was in a, like in a factory where I needed them. But it was very common and it, it didn't seem awkward or strange to me when it, you know, it started. I think today I often forget one of two things, right? I leave the house and forget that I have it on or forget to bring it. Like once it's on, it's kind of on, on long flights. I don't know. I feel like a baby sometimes saying it, but like when I'm doing an airspace, it hurts my ears after a while. So I have to figure things out like that. But that's, if that's the worst of it, if, if it, if it allows us to get back together, like that was one of the things people said, what did you think about Vegas? Like I said, I gotta be honest with you. It was awesome to be with Sean in person. We hadn't seen each other in like over two years, right? Like yeah. and doing the podcast in person was fun and there was more energy and different. Not that we don't have fun this way. And it was also great to talk to people, right? Like to hear what people were saying. And so I think, you know, we have to start to figure out the the balance of what's the safest way to do the right things and use your best judgment and the science that you believe and, and read and be educated. I know that, you know, I do a lot of business in Central Europe and a lot of business in Europe in general. And I had a planned trip to go to, to Amsterdam, New, the Netherlands and Holland. And now the Netherlands are at high risk, considered high risk. And it's the question is more, not I'm afraid to go, but like, can I get through the travel restrictions or Sean and I were talking before the show, like I have someone that I work with here that's in quarantine in, in Hong Kong and he has to stay in his hotel room for 21 days. That's not possible for me. Like I'm out of business if I have to stay in a hotel room for 21 days. There's no way I could I could do that. I couldn't stay in a hotel room for 14 days. I would love to stay in a hotel room. <laughs> like it would be amazing to actually have 14 days uh, aside from missing the family. I'd be caught up on my emails for sure. You know, those type of things. So Sean, I, I know I, we hate talking about COVID. This wasn't really about COVID, by the way. <laughs> travel. I want to be clear because this really was about yeah. our experiences and I'm, again, I'm not endorsing your personal safety, but I would say that I'm definitely traveling. I'm traveling to uh, your your executive summit in December, which I know we're going to talk about it towards the end here. And I know that I'll be traveling to Orlando next week, three weeks prior to this taping um, <laughs> to, to, do, to speak at a conference. And there's a, a, they, they had to cap the attendance from a size standpoint. And it's a paid conference. So people are going to go, which I'm always excited when I hear like, oh, we have no more seats for people and we have no more vendor space. So I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Definitely not a, probably a lot of international folks, but definitely all over the country. So it's exciting to hear people are getting out. But I also know on the other side that I was at a meeting, more like your executive meeting last week. And I think 10 or 12 people, maybe, maybe, you know, definitely 10, 10-ish people could not go because of corporate travel restrictions that were put in place that week based on things that were occurring. So that's the reality we live in. I mean, it's just, it's what, what we do. And I think us talking about it, hopefully just gives you peace of mind of what we're seeing. That's the goal, right? Sean, like we just want to yeah. tell people what we see in here. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's, that's right. I mean, I think it's, it's going to be an interesting time as we go forward. Everybody's trying to figure out how to get back out there and what's the right balance and how to do that. I think, you know, what we're seeing, you mentioned our executive summit that we're, we're going to do in, in Chicago uh, in a couple of weeks from when this airs. You know, again, it's it's a small gathering. We thought this year, let's try a small gathering of executives to get them together and talk about what's going on post-COVID, how it changed the cash cycle. Just give everybody a chance to sit down and talk for a day. Those that are comfortable. We just didn't think it was, it was the country w was in the right place at least a month or so ago when we made the decision to do our, our larger America's event 
for a couple hundred folks. It just wasn't quite ready yet, given that evolving travel restrictions, we thought. So we, we're just doing this smaller event, get people together, talk about what's going on, spend a, spend a day together um, and see, you know, see what happens. It, that seems to be be going pretty well. And then, and then, you know, we're looking forward to February in DC and, and that event, you mentioned kind of it's it's good to see momentum building for these things and momentum is building for for that one right and that's an international one so it's a little bit trickier but the good news is as of since when we're recording this um as of yesterday the two days ago the borders are open people can come in with with vaccines and negative tests um so people can get here and we're seeing the international folks register hotel block is is filling up and we are actually sold out on some of our sponsorship categories going into February. So there's momentum there, you know, and, and folks, you know, there are, there are concerns out there. There's a lot of questions about, well, what happens if things spike and all that? And it's like, well, you know what, we're watching it. If, if things spike and it gets to be unsafe, obviously we'll, we'll do what we need to do. But as of right now, things look good. And we're going to, you know, we mentioned how our different shows handling it right now for the February shows, especially because it's the international crowd. We're treating it as a, as a fully vaccinated um, audience. That's what we're going to be checking. We, the international folks will have to be vaccinated to get into the country anyway. We'll check, you know, vaccine information coming in. And once you're in, uh, that's pretty much it. We're going to try to keep it as a, you know, we'll, we'll have sanitizer around. We'll have as much distancing as we can. But um, assuming it's a hundred percent vaccinated crowd, we should be in, in pretty good, a pretty good, safe environment. So I, I'm really looking forward to both events. Obviously. We're going to do the best we can to do live streaming at these events, and we know we will do it. We're just not quite sure the fashion and, and time frame, but we know we'll do it, and we'll, we'll, it, it's always great. It's definitely fun in person. I mean, it, it adds a different dynamic, and you know, us wearing these hats in person is much cooler. <laughs> much cooler when we're out and about and um you know uh, and 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 just just being able to talk to people one-on-one -on -one, the, the human element really matters i know we'll we'll probably touch on that again but i, I thought you know i wanted to just talk about a couple of things in, in the news that i'm seeing and sean and i like to kind of share and, and this is crypto based but i thought it was really interesting so and it, it, it's both sides of the spectrum which is what i love about the world economy and the media and all these things. So Kroger is accepting Bitcoin cash. So like when you when you think of Kroger, which gosh, I, I should know this, they're either the third or fourth largest retailer in the world for volume and capital. I mean, they're big, big. Um, and so they're accepting Bitcoin. And so that shows that, that that it's real, right? That it's continuing to happen. And then you see Bitcoin pricing, I think yesterday, so it was over $64,000. Like, I mean, that's pretty phenomenal. And I always say this, like, Hindsight's 2020. I would not be doing the podcast. I'd be on an island somewhere if I didn't sell my Bitcoin when I thought I did well and you know didn't do well at all. <laughs> you know, um, so it, it's funny that this is one of those things where there's a, a you know it's a it's an interesting and there's a whole bunch of viewpoints on it. But Kroger's accepting it as a tendency for payment, which is really interesting, right? It adds that credibility. On the other side of it, you have Singapore's central bank making a statement of. Retail investors should tread really cautiously that's very volatile, which we know that. And so you have these really two wild spectrums of and a central bank with real factual, you know, a, a, a reputable developed country. So this isn't like, you know, we talk about some underdeveloped countries accepting Bitcoin and we're like, so yeah, you know, the, and I laugh all the time when people are like, you know, yeah, they bought $18 million of Bitcoin as the central bank. Like, like that isn't even, we wouldn't even talk about that in, in a developed country. Like it would be, 
foolish for us to talk about that. So, but in Singapore, it's a developed, it is a developed country and they're making that statement. And, you know, um, I think on the flip side, you would hear people to go like, yeah, well, yeah, we, we took that risk and we did really, really well. But most investments have risks, but a lot really have regulatory backing. And then that's kind of the middle piece of what is the right amount of regulatory backing to keep crypto anonymous, keep it, to keep it what it is, because that's what it's about. Crypto and Bitcoin is about anonymy. It's about cat. It's actually, it actually, and I know this is going to be a bold statement. It's what people like about cash and making it digitized that you, you know, that it really is in some cases when you have cash, there are a lot of folks that we talk to, especially at MJ biz that, you know, they like the cash because they can pay it and, and it's easy and they understand it. There's no, there is no confusion. And if they don't want someone to know what they're doing, they don't have to. And that's not a tax shelter. That's just like some people today still want to just buy what they want to buy and not necessarily, they have the feeling of, of that anonymity. And that's kind of where the Bitcoin piece comes in. So I know, and I'm, I'm actually really excited. I know in February, you have a whole day, right? Did, 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 yeah. Did yeah. And I was going to say, yeah, we've got, I mean, there's so much going on in that space and and you're right. I mean, on, on the, the anonymity topic that we had, so we've, we've also got a virtual event going on, right? Over the course of November um, on, on Mondays, they're kind of like payment Mondays are, we made our central bank payments conference virtual this year. Cause again, it wasn't quite ready to bring everybody to Athens and get folks together right now. So we're, we're doing a series of, of virtual things every Monday in November. And uh, last Monday or two days, a couple of days ago, it was on CBDC. I mean, there was a, a big discussion on, sorry, central bank digital currency for, for those that aren't into the lingo. Although I think CBDC is almost like maybe it's it's just a circle, now. but it's but it's almost a word. Yeah. It's like yeah, it's kind of household now. Especially if you if you know anything about crypto and you're in our space, it's household because it's everybody's talking about it, right? Yeah, I know exactly. So and but the you know there was a good discussion around this whole anonymity piece. And I think it's very it's really interesting. There was somebody on there from the, I think it was, they were from the Fed. It was one of the central banks. I'm pretty sure it was the Fed. And they, they were like, you know, it always embarrassed me when somebody asked, you know, if we could help track banknotes and we had to say, no, we have no idea where that goes from. And it was an embarrassment. And, you know, there are two sides of that, right? I mean, I, I know folks from the banknote world at the Fed that would be like, that's not an embarrassment. That's what cash is. I mean, it's a it's an anonymous yeah. thing intentionally. Oh, that's um, <laughs> so yeah, so it's it's not an embarrassment. That's just but but it's it's depends how you look at it. When you're on that regulatory side or or what have you, you're like, well, of course I want to be able to track every everything at all times and figure that out. And that's what's you know they got into a bit on the crypto space about well, what does it mean to be anonymous and can you make it anonymous um, and how do you ensure and at what level is it who knows what and how do you it gets into that whole like iphone apple thing about like okay yeah. somebody's got a whole bunch of data somewhere i'm glad we didn't we we don't script a lot of this out so i'm glad you brought that up because you know the colonial pipeline attack you know if you go back to it we were able to seize the fbi seized what well, i think I could be wrong. I should know this. Wow. 88% out of the 4.4 million dollars, they were able to seize it. Like, how could they do that? There's ways to do a lot of different things when you put manpower behind it. And the reality is the blockchain, while it's anonymous, allows you to follow it. I don't know what Sean's doing. I don't know what Sean, but I can watch it. And if the US government or any other developed countries, intelligence agencies want to want to do something, they can. And I actually spoke at a conference about cybersecurity right after this happened. They're like, well, crypt-. I'm like, guys, it's just like encryption. Like, 
if you put enough effort and interest, you can you can clog that jam. And so you might not they might not be able to say, yep, Sean was the one, but they got Sean's money. Right. Like, and that's literally what it is. And by the way, if you follow the trail long enough, humans generally make mistakes. It's just the rule of thumb. As someone that worked in, in the intelligence and investigations field for my whole entire adult life before I decided, I'm telling you, like, there's nothing in the world, even tracking money, like we talk about tracking money, there are ways to skin a cat with computer vision, and all those other things, but we don't do it, right? That's just not what you do. But crypto is a, a digital payment. And the, the thing that it's unregulated, the question is, well, when I hear unregulated, from my opinion, it's I'm focused on taxing and that type of regulation and making sure that there's guardrails and safety nets for people to not be taken advantage of, not regulated. And I know that Sean has X, Sean's got to pay taxes on it when he wants to execute it, but, and use it. But in between that, I don't need to know that very much like cash, right? Like right. You, you pay, you don't pay tax on your cash. You pay tax on what you make on your cash. And if you never, ever, ever, if you just kept that money under your bed and kept stuffing it, it's yours. That's kind of the same analogy of crypto coin. If you bought crypto coin at $64,000, a Bitcoin at $64,000, and it never went over $64,000, there's really no need for regulation from a tax piece. Now, some of the things we talked about, it, we did that, we did that, that for our first live streaming was with the CBDC. And then gosh, there were a couple of people on there. That was one of my comments is, but how do you protect people from fraud? And how do you put guardrails? So like Kroger, who I, I applaud them for taking it, what, how do they defend themselves? You know, how do they do that? How does a cost consumer? So there's still a lot of unknowns, but at the end of the day, the answer is they don't necessarily have to because it is just like cash. I took that $100 bill from Sean. I took that $100 worth of percentage of Bitcoin from Sean. It's not the same as credit card fraud because it's Sean's responsibility to hold on to his $100. I don't know that you'll find many cases where a retailer is responsible for taking stolen money, cash that they, that they didn't know, right? Like that they didn't know. This isn't counterfeit, right? So I think some of the things we manifest, and I'm in the risk world, right? And what I often talk to people about is, and I invested in Bitcoin and all sorts of cryptocurrencies because I like technology just to play, not because I'm a smart investor. I didn't make any money, just did it because I, I thought it was interesting. But one of the things that people said, it's funny money, it's not real. And then I, I, my answer is, well, I'm in the stock market's kind of driven by <laughs> analysts and what people think. Like that's the world we live in and inflation is driven by you know, those things. So I, I do think we're going to continue to live with it. And I think it's a great topic to talk about because yeah. when retailers start to take it and banks need to deal with it, it's going to be something that's there. And I'm happy and I applaud currency research for, I oh God, it feels like, I guess it was two years ago, maybe it was three. We, I sat on a panel about, about um, crypto and it was a great panel because two of us were in the risk world. And then there was an expert from MIT and then there was another expert. And we really had a great open conversation. And it was funny uh, the audience in, in your audience was great from the central banks asking questions that were like, well, you know, I'm always interested when a central bank from another country says, what do you think of this? It's a daunting thing for a central bank because it's another new thing that you have to figure out and, and how to service it. So well, I'm yeah. super, super excited to be a part of that, you know, in person. I think you're, man, you're going to be in a good time because a lot's going to happen. until. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely not a shortage of topics. And you're right, we're going to spend the whole day on it. Digital currency in, in general um, in yeah. February at the, the Digital Currency Conference in DC. And there's no shortage of a, it's a very easy agenda to put together um, just because there's, there's no shortage of topics. And we are, we know we're trying to structure it around those kind of core pillars that we're talking about, like Okay, what's the compliance things to talk about? What's the security things to talk about? What about interoperability? What about cross-border? What about, you know, those yeah. those fundamental aspects of a digital currency that need to be 
be talked about. And with a bunch of central banks around, you have a lot of a lot of interest. So it should be it should be good. And the day before that, you know, you mentioned our our first podcast, one of the first podcasts we did. But the folks from the the central bank digital currency think tank were on, um, and they're going to do a workshop for us the day before that. Really jumps in to those that want to really get a good handle on how to set up a digital a CBDC in particular, uh, what it means, how to how to structure it, what platforms are available, that sort of stuff. Um, so it should be really interesting. Also looking forward to seeing you on the 8th. And uh, for our, all our listeners, I think um, if you're interested in joining us in Chicago at the Executive Summit, reach out to Sean. You're more than welcome to reach out to me as well. But we would love to have you. I think um, the folks that are listening to this podcast, they're the right folks to be at that meeting. Right, Sean? Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, you're the ones that like to talk and listen to this about this stuff. So why not come sit there with with a handful of great industry leaders from from banks, cash management companies, some suppliers, everybody, uh, and just just talk for a day about what's going on. Before I turn it to Sean for for some final words today, I just wanted to remind everybody: is so YouTube, we we do all of our podcasts. If you're listening with your ears in your car driving or during your commute, we do video all of our podcasts. So feel free to jump to our YouTube channel to watch us. You'll see Sean in our hats. You'll see the antics. Occasionally, you'll, you'll hear a dog barking. You might even see a dog's tail. And sometimes you might even get a guest visit by a child because you know, it's on the road. So, I mean, the, the video adds a different element to it, especially when we have a guest. So um, I realized that you know, a lot of podcast listeners are listen and don't go to YouTube. But if you, if, you, if you will, we'd love for you to come visit us on YouTube, like and subscribe there. I know for a lot of the listeners in the bank world, at least the folks I've talked to, this is the only podcast, which is really cool to hear someone's analyst podcast at all. I didn't know how to do it until we heard yours, but it's so important to really subscribe and like and share because that's how we get the word out. And I was at a conference recently and someone, and I shared this story to with a bunch of people because I just think it's such a wild story. We, I love the podcast. I love everything you do with it. And I said, what platform do you listen to? And I'm like, I, I didn't even listen to it. I just read your blog about it. And I'm like, oh, wow. I'm like, well, you can go here. Let me show you how to do it. And that, it's not, it's just some people don't do podcasts. So um, I know if you're listening or watching this, you probably have got it. But if you're watching this on YouTube, you might not realize like we're available anywhere a podcast can be found. And it absolutely helps us get the word out. Sean and I do this in our, our free time, if you will. Uh, so like, this is not about, this is not about bolstering the economic value of the podcast. It's about really getting it out to the masses. Because one thing I did notice, and I'll turn this over to Sean, this at, at, at MJ Business, a lot of people wanted to talk. We didn't actually plan for it the way we would have because we didn't know a lot of people. It's hard to it's hard to do a live podcast and go on a floor with 10,000 people and, and identify who it is. But there are a lot of people that want to talk. And this is an open format, whether you're in the retail sector, the banking sector, the investigations world. I mean, we have a, we're, this is an open podcast that we want it to be about cash currency and payments. So um, I think we're going to have some federal law enforcement join us uh, in a short time to talk about anti-money laundering. We've got someone slotted about human trafficking. I mean, we've got a whole bunch of guests that if you're uh, a traditional, probably who work with Sean and I in the bank or central bank world, you're like, wait, why is that? And then when, but when you hear these guests, I think you're going to actually be surprised at the connection, especially when we go through. So Sean, over to you for the end up here. Right. So stay tuned for all that good stuff. A lot of good guests coming up. And I guess really, since we're, we're going to be playing this uh, shortly before Thanksgiving, I think Tom and I both want to want to wish everybody out there that's listening a very happy Thanksgiving and, and don't overdo it on the turkey or, or do whatever, um, you know, enjoy, enjoy yourselves, enjoy the, enjoy the family and, you know, rest up 
and I, I think the one thing that I have noticed over and as we've talked through this podcast is that things are picking up again. Travel's going on, you know, meetings are, are picking up and it's going to get busy, which is good. And I think we're all ready for that. So enjoy the holiday and we will be back to talk to you shortly after that. And uh, as Tom said, live from, well, maybe not live, but recorded live um, in in Chicago uh, together on December 8th for that that executive summit we're doing. So there might be one episode between now and then. I'm not sure, but uh, if if not, uh, you'll see us you'll see us there together. Thank you, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for listening to the Cash News Podcast. We hope you found this episode insightful. Don't forget to like and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter, and be sure to visit us at thecashnews.com to stay up to date with the latest on the world of cash. Thanks again for listening to the Cash News Podcast.